Welcome to Money and Taxes from BB to XYZ. I'm Regina Neenan, Certified Financial Planner. And I'm Jason Spessiner, Certified Financial Planner and Enrolled Agent. And Jason, you are the star of our show today. You're taking center stage because we are talking taxes again, specifically tax extensions. And if you filed an extension for your 2022 taxes, that deadline is coming up quick. Yes, that's right. It's actually for your individual income tax return. Your extension deadline is October 15th. Well, this year for your 2022 return, it's going to go back one day because the 15th is on a Sunday. So it'll actually be October 16th. So you get an extra day here uh, with filing your return. But extensions can be helpful for both preparers and filers, right? Sometimes you don't have all the information you need to file an accurate return. Other times, maybe there's some strategic reasons why you might want to extend the deadline. And so some of these things that come into play might be, you know, for example, like in a state or a trust that sometimes will extend their deadline to October in order to take advantage of things like fiscal tax year and and other situations. So it really does help to uh, make sure that you obviously, of course, have an accurate set of information to file a return. And the extension is the outlet if you're not sure that you'll have that by the normal deadline. So that makes a lot of sense for why somebody would file an extension. But Jason, are you filing any extended tax returns for our clients this year? We have a handful for those specific reasons. And you know, more often than not, where I see typically an extension come into play is when a business is involved. And so you may have a business that you're running as, as a sole proprietor, right? You're just self-employed and that's going to show up on your schedule C, which is a, a schedule on your tax return. And you just need more time to compile the data, to get the information together. Maybe you want more time to fund retirement plans and we can talk about how that sort of is connected there. And then also on the other side of this, you have entities that have an earlier filing deadline. These are pass-through entities like a partnership or an S corporation, and they can extend their due date, but their due date is actually a month earlier than an individual's due date. And maybe that entity needs to extend, which of course causes the individual to extend. And so that's why some of our clients will have that extension in place and we're working on their tax returns well into October. So for those who have filed the extension, it's an extension to file, not an extension to pay any taxes that might be due. So what are some of the things that you're looking at for financial planning for Collins clients to make that decision as to whether they can file an extension and wait until October or not? Often, or maybe not often, but but enough to hear of this idea that, well, if I'm filing an extension, surely that means I can just wait to pay the bill. And that is not true. And so how you deal with this is you have to pay in an estimate or a payment with your extension using the information that you have available. And so I always like to take the position that let's make some conservative estimates. Let's make the worst case sort of estimates and pay in with your extension. And what does that do? Well, the big thing that it does is twofold, right? Filing the extension itself prevents something called a failure to file penalty. And a failure to file penalty is the really significant one. That penalty accrues at 5% a month up to 25% of whatever tax you actually eventually owe. So that's a big old penalty there. So you want to file extension, even if you can't pay, file that extension, right? Now, if you pay, right, if you actually pay in or cover the balance due or at least 90% of what you would expect to owe, your failure to pay penalty is still exists, right, if you don't make that payment, but it's only a half a percent, right? So if you don't pay in everything, but you do extend the return, your penalty would be a half a percent of your balance due up to, again, 25% of the total tax, and that's a half a percent per month. And so either way, the long and the short of this is file the extension for sure, make a payment 
Absolutely, if you're able to, but given sort of the things here, just absolutely the extension is the key part of this. Yeah, those penalties sound like they hurt a little bit there. So what if somebody hasn't filed an extension? They missed their deadline this past April. What can they expect if they're still wanting to get their taxes done by October 16th? Great question. Now, this allows me to clear up one thing that is sort of out there, and I got to address it. If you are due a refund, it does not matter if you file an extension because the penalty is based on the amount that you have to pay with your tax return. So if you know, like I'm going to get a $10,000 refund because I always get refunds and they're always way too much. And I tell you, don't do that. That's too much of a refund. You're letting a lot of free cash flow go. But assuming you just know that's going to happen. So big old refunds coming, like whatever the case, you didn't file an extension. Eh, it, it doesn't really matter. Like the IRS is just sitting on your money. They're not going to penalize you. And you need to file your tax return to get that money back. Now, if you do owe money, right, if you do have a tax balance due and you haven't filed an extension, get going, get that return filed because that penalty is accruing at 5% per month. And so it's only going to take five months before very conveniently the end of the extension period, you are going to have a 25% penalty. So if you have a $5,000 tax balance due, you're just going to have to round that thing up really quickly to $1,250. That's not very fun. So get going is my advice in, in that case. So for somebody who is due a refund, that sounds like a pretty great loophole just to have the extra time. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'd call it a loophole as much as it's like you're continuing your interest-free loan to the government, right? Like think about what you've done with a refund, right? You've given the government an interest-free loan and now you're asking for that money back when you get the refund. Well, if you give them until whenever, I mean, technically you have three years to claim that refund beyond your original filing date. Like you can just extend that loan to them. Very nice of you. Very, very courteous. Don't tip the IRS folks, but yeah, I mean, that's that's what you're doing. So yeah, I, I would say even, even in that case, get your tax return filed, get your money back. You can then invest that and see your own interest compound instead of allowing that to happen in the government's coffers. That's right. Holy cash flow and tax planning here, right? This is where the nexus of the two, like how do you make the best use of your free cash flow and how do you help that free cash flow by optimizing your tax withholdings. Yes. And Jason, before we dive into our generations, I just have one quick question for you about the IRS and what happens if you don't pay. How is the IRS going to, quote unquote, come after you? Are they going to show up at your door knocking and being like, give me my money? Are men and women with guns coming to uh, threaten to throw you in jail? Are you going to get a call from somebody asking you for a Walmart gift card or, or something like that because you didn't pay your tax bill? No, neither of those things are going to happen, but you are going to get the proverbial nasty gram from the IRS. I have that USPS thing that shows you what you get in the mail ahead of time. And I also get a lot of mail from the IRS because I am an enrolled agent and they send mail to my house related to my activities as an enrolled agent. They want to know your home address, your business address, all these things. Enough, I'll see an IRS letter or some kind of correspondence. And no matter what it is, you're always like, oh gosh, what do I have to deal with now with the IRS? Like what is happening? And I get more of that than most people do. When you see that show up, it's going to be pretty concise. Like, hey, you owe us this money. You better pay us. And they're going to send that to you a couple times. And then they're going to threaten to lien your property, your accounts. They're going to garnish stuff. They're going to go after your assets, basically. And they're going to try to collect that debt, and they're going to be aggressive. And that debt's not going to go away. So it just makes sense to get it figured out, worked out, paid, whatever it is. Now, there are ways to pay the IRS without having to write some big old check, right? If you have under $50,000 of tax liability, you can create what's called an installment agreement with them, and you can pay them over time. Really, if it's just unaffordable for you to pay, you can do that. You can look at something called an offer and compromise, where if you're just truly out of options and just don't have the means to pay a tax bill, that's where you can start to try to make the debt go away. But it is it is a pretty complicated process to do that. 
that. But the long and the short of this is, yeah, no, no one's calling you and asking you for the money. That will never happen for the IRS. So every time you hear that, regardless of what they're asking for, just hang up. And two, unless you are Al Capone or Tony Montana and creating some significant legal headaches and, and committing some big crimes, no one's coming to your door with guns. So watch your mail and, and respond to those notices. Good to know. So if you have your deadline coming up in October or you're getting ready for 2023 taxes next year in April or maybe October, let's get into it. Let's see what you need to be thinking about now for 2022 or for 2023. Yeah. Okay. And so let's start with baby boomers, right? And, and maybe you've extended as a baby boomer now. If you're retired and you're sort of on, got your pension, you got your social security, you're taking distributions from your IRA. You probably don't have a lot of extendable things unless maybe you do have an interest in a partnership, whether it's you know publicly traded partnership or something that is just they haven't sent you the K one yet, or you need to extend, and so now here you are waiting on that information. You're all paid in, and you just want to get an accurate return filed. Cool, you're going to do that, and you're and you're going to be fine. What's probably going to be the most relevant thing at this period of time after you get that tax return filed, if you are an extension, is thinking about your next year planning, and especially at that phase of your life, you're probably looking at a couple of things. One may be strategy for optimizing your tax bill over several years, right? And so you're thinking about things like Roth IRA conversion. You possibly could be in low income years right now as a retired person and, and a little older and, and able to make some really good decisions to lock in some very low tax rates. Remember, tax rates are going up in 2026. So here's a few years of opportunity to make these Roth conversions and really get some stuff dialed in to save you some dollars. You're probably also even thinking about potentially your Medicare costs, right? There's this whole other thing that runs parallel to regular income tax when you're Medicare age, and that is the income-related Medicare adjustment amount, or IRMA for short, and your income that shows up on your tax return will dictate whether or not you have an IRMA. And sometimes you can control that. And when I say you can control that, I mean like you don't want to make too much of a Roth conversion or you don't want to take too much of a distribution from an account because it'll kick up your income to a point where you'll actually have to pay an additional Medicare premium. So those are the sorts of things as you're looking at year end to really start being thoughtful about in your planning because you want to get that dialed in so that you're not you know, whacked with a big old tax bill or IRMA bill come next year. For sure. So definitely a good reason to work with a professional, maybe even somebody who also does your financial planning so you know what to expect and can really take that long-term view. But we have mentioned this before, and it has to do with baby boomers who don't have to file at all. Jason, can you remind us of what that means and what's what the situation would look like for that? Yeah, the, the most straightforward thing is if you're just on Social Security, point blank, the end, you don't have a filing requirement, right? You don't need to file a tax return if your income is only Social Security. Now, if that's true, you may still want to file a tax return for some reason or another or just to keep yourself sort of on track and in the system and, and all those sorts of things. But you do have the opportunity where you may not have a filing requirement whatsoever. You sort of do you in that scenario. I'd say still file. I'd say just keeping yourself sort of on track there because you may have a filing requirement the next year. Then the IRS looks at that and says, okay, well, why didn't you file the year before? And you may get into a little correspondence game with them. And so it's just like, it's easier to file, especially when you just have social security. It's a really straightforward tax return. Um, you put the gross amount in one line, you put zero in the next, you sign it and you send it off. That's basically it. So, but, but otherwise, you know, I would say just, yeah, go ahead and do it and keep yourself sort of on the grid as they say. So what about for our Gen Xers? We've got our higher earners here. 
when would they file an extension and what do they need to be thinking about getting ready for 2023 taxes? There's a couple of scenarios. One is, of course, the things that are out of your control, whether you have an entity that you don't have direct control of, or like I mentioned earlier, a publicly traded partnership or somebody that's issuing you a tax document and they have extended themselves. And so now you're getting this document around this time, maybe even uh, when I say this time, we're recording this in August and, and that may come as late as September, frankly, that some of those documents. And if it's coming from a trust or a state, it could come as late is October. It could come the same day your tax returns do. So you could have that scenario where you would have you know, this document. You could have a business in your control where you have extended for one reason or another. Now, one of those reasons, I mentioned this earlier, might be your retirement plan. Now, one of the cool things about a business retirement plan that you are funding is that you have up until the filing deadline plus extensions to make the contribution on the business side. And so if you have, for example, like a SEP IRA for your sole proprietorship, or if you have a solo 401k for, again, your sole proprietorship or or your S corporation or whatever the case is, you can give yourself extra time to fund that retirement plan and still claim that tax deduction as if it were you know money that was put in 2022, an extra six months to do that. That's a really cool reason why you'd want to make that extension. And so if you have control of those factors, of course, you, you would you would want to go ahead and do that in a lot of cases. Now, if any of our listeners are thinking what I'm thinking, what about a simple IRA? Does that fall into those same rules? Yeah. Any employer-sponsored plan, and this is specific to the employer contributions to the plan, have that extended deadline. So this might be a case of a simple IRA if you have employees, right? You might be making your sort of your 3% match, which is the very typical match in a simple IRA, and you just give yourself that additional time to make that contribution. If you're a single sole proprietor, a sole, solo operator, there and you're funding a simple IRA, this is just sort of your opportunity again to, to make your own contribution to that plan as the employer. So, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. And going back to what you said about baby boomers, specifically knowing that tax rates are going to be going up. 2026. Yeah. That is where our current tax rates under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act will expire, right? Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, TCJA of 2017 will expire. And so Congress does nothing, right? Congress is really good at taking an action in a lot of cases. They do nothing. Tax rates go up. And so there you go. And and where you see the most significant increases, frankly, is right in the middle of the tax brackets, right in the middle income places. So we'll see what happens there. But it's a lot easier for a politician to kind of get away with raising taxes on the middle class when they're saying it wasn't my fault. It was the person before me. What about our Gen Xers who are maybe just getting there or slightly above in their tax brackets where that's really going to affect them. Here's sort of the, you know an argument for making pre-tax retirement plan contributions, going back to that whole idea of if you can extend that deadline to give you more, yourself more time to put dollars in, you know, get that done. But also at the same time, thinking about where are you on those brackets and how does that help you optimize? Because if you think about this, if you're at the top of the 24% bracket and you kind of can stay there and maybe you make some Roth contributions because the bottom line is that next bracket up is 32%. So there's a pretty big increase there. You get a relative 33% increase. You have an 8% additional absolute tax when you go to that next bracket. But if that's not going to happen, you have some extra dollars to save. There is a good opportunity to sort of lock in that lower rate at 24% and make a Roth contribution instead. And obviously that's going to have pretty big impacts on our millennials too. But being a millennial, I have to point out that this was the first year that I extended my own tax filing deadline. And only because I was working with a new preparer, really establishing that relationship. And I didn't have to because I have a refund coming, which is great. So what should other millennials know about 
extensions. Maybe they have their filing deadline coming up in October or yeah, just getting ready for next year like our Gen Xers and baby boomers. Anything unique for our millennials here, Jason? Other than me, I know I'm very unique. What are you thinking about tax-wise for 2023? I don't know. I didn't extend. I always get my tax return done on time. Well, good for you. That's great. (laughs) And I did not get a refund. Oh, no. (laughs) No refund for Jason. Oh, so you had to do it on time. I get it. Oh, it was one of my least favorite checks to write. Well, I don't write a check. Pay electronically, please. You write a check to the IRS. Two things here. Make sure you send it in trackable, traceable. And if you're going to do that for an estimated tax payment, make sure... You, know, you do something that identifies that check. Maybe add a dollar or two to the estimated amount. Maybe if you're making your second quarter payment, make it for you know a thousand and two dollars. Just helps you keep track of those amounts in case something gets messed up with the check writing process because the IRS processing paper has been very slow recently. As far as millennials go, I don't think a lot deviates or changes from our Gen Xers. I think there is still a lot of the same sort of stuff where you may be waiting either because something's out of your control where you're not able to do anything about it. And then also at the same time, the extension benefiting you for one reason or other, making your retirement plan contributions. You're also starting to think about, I guess, in both generations, of course, millennials and Gen Xers, you're starting to think about your year in tax planning as well. And you're looking at, okay, have you made the adequate withholdings that you needed to throughout the year? And have you paid in enough and just making sure that you're square there so you don't end up with uh, an estimated tax penalty? You can really attack that in a really effective way if you can figure out a way to get some withholdings made instead of making an estimated payment late. This is one little hack that I'll throw out there. If you can make a withholding on any sort of income, maybe it's distribution from an IRA or maybe it's some other sort of you know employment payment, I don't know. But if you can get withholdings in as opposed to a regular old estimated tax payment, that withholding counts as if it was made on the first day of the tax year. And so if you've been delinquent, so to speak, in making your estimated tax payments, you realize, oh, crud, like I should probably do this so I don't have some penalty, figure out a way to get some withholding paid in and you may be able to just avoid the penalty altogether instead of limiting it by making that estimated tax payment a little later than you should have. So there's that little tidbit there. Otherwise, yeah, optimizing and making sure that you're maxing out your retirement plans, that you've you've done all you can from your employer-sponsored side, especially if you are you know a traditional W-2 employee and you don't have control over the plan. Take a look now and see if there's some more room and opportunity to make those contributions. If you're looking at a high income year and maybe you got to work on potentially some tax savings for this year and you're charitably inclined, like start thinking about funding a donor advised fund, effectively gift ahead to charity and taking that tax advantage for yourself now. Maybe prepay some property tax if you're not running up against your state and local tax limitations that you have, that $10,000 cap. If you're still under that and you can pay some property taxes, like, yeah, maybe go ahead and do that to maximize some deductions. So there's lots of little things sort of as we come to the year end after you've gotten that extended tax return filed to start thinking about for the current year's tax return. And one thing I didn't hear you mention there, Jason, was equity compensation. Why is it important to look at that kind of toward the end of the year and include it in your tax planning? Yeah, that's a really, really good point, Regina. And thank you for bringing that to my attention because you're right. There is some equity compensation planning opportunities here. And one of the bigger ones, if you haven't exercised any ISOs previously, and there's a lot of reasons why you might want to exercise them very early in the year as opposed to late, but let's just assume you haven't. You might want to look at how much of your incentive stock options you can exercise now without triggering AMT. So you may be able to, and in a lot of cases I see this, sometimes get you know twenty to $40,000 of what's called bargain element or the savings off of the price that you would pay to exercise versus what the actual stock is worth. 
you may be able to exercise that amount without paying any AMT whatsoever, which is a nice thing because you've sort of locked that in and you're not going to have to deal with that AMT and you've got those shares ready to go and you started the clock for a more tax favorable, what's called qualifying disposition in the future. And since you mentioned it, Jason, can you also remind us what the estimated tax payment deadlines are? Good question. So here is the very awkward estimated tax payment deadlines that you have to be aware of. Your first one is April 15th, which is the t- normal tax filing deadline. So April 15th is the current tax year's first estimated payment. Now, you would think the next one would be July 15th. It's not. Surprise. It's June 15th. So two months later, then you have your next estimated tax filing deadline. And by extension, you would say, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So then our next one, maybe they're not going to go on the quarterly system. So it should be what? In September? You're right. Yeah. So your next estimated tax payment deadline would be September 15th. And so from there, borrowing that logic, okay, well, When is the last one due? The last one is due in January of the following year. January 15th is your Q4, quarter four estimated tax payment deadline. And moving into Gen Z, what's interesting for these folks, especially for first timers who are maybe doing their own taxes for the first time, whereas in the past they were maybe working with their parents' tax preparer to get theirs done? If you are on extension and have never filed a tax return before and managed to get an extension filed, you must have a really good reason for it. So I would say perhaps you need to be looking at working with a a professional preparer. And I've said it in the past, like even if it is just to figure out your tax situation and understand the nuances of it and see if it's something you should be handling on your own. So this might be the opportunity to to sort of answer your own wake-up call, so to speak, and recognize that, yeah, maybe I should be working with a professional preparer. I don't know a lot of professional preparers that are going to be accepting clients right now to say, hey, I've I've got an extended return. Like, will you take my return? I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure you could walk into a Liberty Tax Office or H&R Block or one of those big name brands and get your tax return done. So yeah, so maybe, you know, take a look at that. Otherwise, a lot of the same sort of things that apply for X and Y, it's going to apply for you as well, especially if you're earning a good income or you've started a business. You know, All of those same little nuances and tips and tricks will apply to you as well. But what you have is a little bit more foresight. You can start doing things earlier because you know what it looks like for Gen X and Y and, and, and our baby boomers and so on as far as like what the future is holding. And so you can start being more effective in your long-term tax planning by making good decisions now, locking in low tax rates now if you're not earning as much, making good decisions with where you're at in the tax brackets and so on. Because again, you have control and time on your side. And Jason, with that said, let's get into today's takeaways. I'll let you kick it off. Yeah. So filing an extension buys you extra time to file, but not extra time to pay. So I know it's a little late in the game now, but just as a forewarning for the future, if you file an extension, make sure you've paid in your expected tax for the year by the normal filing deadline. And you are listening to this just a little bit before that deadline. If you have filed an extension, it is October 16th, 2023. So make sure you get that started now if you're not already done so you don't end up in a super tight spot because there's not another extension available. Good point. So working with a tax preparer who's also your financial planner gives you this really holistic view of your entire tax situation can help you stay on top of estimated payments, can help you work on that strategy with withholdings if you want to employ that hack, can help you work on your extension deadlines for your retirement plan contributions and and so much more. So it's one of those things that I think is a really, really nice way to uh, create synergy between your tax and your financial plan. This episode was written and produced by me, Regina Neenan. And me, Jason Spessiner. Regina also edited the episode. 
If you have an idea for a future podcast episode or a tax-related question to share with us, reach out. Email us at podcast at fpfoco.com, and you'll also find that email in the show notes. All right. Well, until next time, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Jason Spessner and Regina Neenan are investment advisor representatives of Financial Planning Fort Collins, a registered investment advisor. The information in this podcast is provided for general educational and entertainment purposes only. It may not apply to you or your specific circumstances and should not be considered financial, investment, or tax advice. Say hello to my little friend. Hokemang. Yeah, get the yayo. Anyway, okay. (laughs)